All right. Well, hey, good morning again, Calvary Church. We are celebrating this 90-year anniversary, and we are talking today about how we value generations. We thought as we have these 12 values that we're talking through in this series, this is perfect for this day, that we value all of the generations of this church, people that have poured into this local body over the course of 90 years. It's amazing. And I think it's actually one of the sort of primary distinctives of our church is that we really are a multi-generational church. You have a lot of churches that tend to be for a certain kind of category or a certain age stage or something like that. But Calvary is for everyone. And that is a part of what makes us who we are and how God has shaped us, that there are people from all of the generations here. And so you think about 90 years old, and just uh, this, like, last couple weeks, I realized that someone is 90 years old, William Shatner. Captain Kirk himself from Star Trek is 90 years old, and what did he do? That's not a picture of him in Star Trek. That's a picture of him actually going to space at 90 years old. So at 90 years old, if you did not hear this story, this just took place, and he made it back alive, okay? Uh, and... So you think about a place that's 90, a person that's 90, you don't think about them taking one of the biggest risks of their life and going for it in this kind of a way. And I just thought that was an awesome image of, of 90 years is that for us, often a church can go from starting as a movement to then becoming institutional, that we don't want to just become an institution. We want to continue to be a movement, to take risks, to soar for great heights into outer space, <laughs> into the heavens, right? And so that's what we want for our church. That's how we want to be thinking is how can we still be challenging ourselves even at 90? Now, I was thinking about 90 years, just some fun stuff a little bit here. Think about 90 years ago, that's 1931, okay? So 1931, now some people, like some things that were happening in 1931. This is the Great Depression is happening. You still are in this era of prohibition, just nearing that era of prohibition. It feels like ancient history at some level. You think people that were born in 1931, a few, James Dean, James Earl Jones, voice of everything, Darth Vader included, right? Uh, Willie Mays, uh, other, other Jameses or Jims. You've got Jim Jones, that's that scary cult leader guy that got everybody to drink the Kool-Aid and it didn't go well. Uh, Jim Jones, uh, Chuck Colson. Now, people that died in 1931, this one kind of got me. In 1931, Thomas Edison died. He was still alive. In 1931, Thomas Edison. I mean, I, I sort of for some reason, my brain equates that with like George Washington or something. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just, I go way back. <laughs> but yeah, he even put out a patent still in 1931 before his death. Melville Dewey died in 1931 of the Dewey Decimal System. So yeah, oh, I got librarians are fired up in the room. Uh, but <laughs> kids, that's where they had these little index cards. So you had to look up the number of your book and all that kind of stuff. But um, anyway, <laughs> so like, it's just kind of funny when you think about what was happening and all that. Now check this one more. Congress made the Star Spangled Banner our national anthem in 1931. 
That didn't happen until then. The song had been around. It had been a song of our country. But it was ratified by Congress to officially be the national anthem, not till 1931. So all these things are happening back then as our church is starting. You know, they just imagine them having a church service. Like, wow, do you hear that Thomas Edison died? Oh, do you hear about the national anthem? It's, it's Star Spangled Banner now. Wow, that's, I don't know about that one. I was, I was rooting for the other one. You had some division going on about the Star Spangled Banner. You know, like, I, I just imagine these kind of conversations happening back then as our church was starting in the Ebel Club in downtown Santa Ana uh, before they built that, or before they moved in that first building at 6th and French in downtown Santa Ana, and then moving out here to the country a little while later um, is how they referred to it. Uh, just to keep having just, you know, a little more fun with this, uh, you think about how people would say something was cool, okay, how something was good, if something was good. In the 30s, that's when people were still saying it's the bee's knees or the cat's pajamas, all right? So in the 30s, that's when you were referring to that. It got, you know, the 40s swell started to enter the, the picture. In the 50s, you might have had gas, that's gas, or neato began to enter the scene. In the 50s, in the 60s, it got far out, it got hip. You had some others coming in. In the 70s, groovy and boss, uh, out of sight. In the 80s, that's when, that's sort of more my childhood era. You got rad, gnarly, awesome, wicked. And that's when it really shifted to when things, you would say something was bad to say it was good. And I remember our parents were just, have lost their minds. Like, what is happening? These children have lost, the, you know, have lost it. How are you calling that? You know, or something then in the, in the 90s is when sick entered the picture, you know, and it's an illness. They would say ill too. You're right. You're just saying something has an illness. That means it's a good thing. What? I don't, I don't know what's going on in our culture. People have lost it. You've got words like dope and tight in the 90s. In the 2000s, you've got lit and the, the Paris Hilton style hot. As people started to call things hot or fetch entered the scene. That's actually a little insider one for you. But then the 2010s, you've got dope and clutch and diesel and dank. <laughs> and then the 2000s, now you've got, uh, 2020s, you've got fire, fi, Gucci, goat. Everything seems to be the goat, though. It seems like there should only be one greatest of all time. So, you know, these, you could see how things shift, things change. We're not still saying the cat's pajamas or the bee's knees. But, you know, we love things and we think that they're great. And, uh, you know, that's how things go. You had some worship songs that would come out back in the 30s. Victory in Jesus, that hymn, My Savior Forever, came out in the 30s. All Fly Away, I Saw the Light in the 40s. Surely Goodness and Mercy, if you know that one, in the 50s, will follow me all the days of my life. In the 60s, Oh Happy Day. Uh, in the 70s is when you get a little more folksy, right? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, or seek ye first. Some of these kind of songs in the 80s, it was all about, Lord, I lift your name on high, was uh, the top of the charts. And our God is an awesome God, songs like that. The 90s, you get Shout to the Lord as Hillsong comes on the scene. Or out here, you've got uh, with Harvest Crusades, Come Just As You Are, the Crystal Lewis uh, anthem, as people would come down onto the, the field. In the 2000s, You've got uh, Chris Tomlin, How Great Is Our God, Mighty to Save. 2010s, we sang one, the biggest song of that, 10,000 Reasons. What a beautiful name. And then now into Waymaker and The Blessing are some of these newer songs. 
the hymns that you think of were more written in like the 1800s, 1700s, 1500s, well farther back, the ones that have stood the test of time. Uh, so it's just interesting to see how, you know, how time progresses and how God has been faithful to this church when we sang Victory in Jesus and we said the cat's pajamas. <laughs> and we love that. And we have all of these different generations as part of our family, as part of our community. Whether you are part of some called the greatest generation or the GI generation or the post-war generation or the baby boomers or Generation X. <laughs> then the millennials and then into the Gen Zers and then the little kids maybe in the room. They're starting to call you Generation Alpha. So all these different, all these different generations, but we are all one. As we think about all these different generations and all of the wonderful things that they have done and the, the difficulties or the struggles of each of these generations, or even the way that these generations will sort of hate on each other, especially boomers, millennials, you guys kind of like, you need to work some stuff out, I think, you know? So we have like a new counseling ministry between boomers and millennials, while us Gen Xers just look at you and, sh and just shake our heads, you know? So, uh, but, you know, that's where we want to, we have all these differences, but we come together and we're all here and in this moment, we are the generation of Calvary Church of today. All of us. We are this generation. The people that God has placed here. And we all come together to recognize the good in one another, the positive of one another, the ways that we can help each other grow. And in the midst of all these sort of labels that the world has given us, we want to know that we are part of God's people first and foremost. And we all are unified in that. We are one. And so I think of the generations of Calvary Church, the people that were bold enough to start a new church in the midst of a culture that was drifting away from the truth of Scripture. And they said, we need to have a church that is all about the Word of God and sending missionaries around the world. And those are still the two pillars of who we are, that we preach through the Word of God and we send missionaries around the world and support them in, in pretty amazing, incredible ways. And those things that, that, that started our church as, as that foundation, those are still what we are about. We might have a whole bunch of other stuff that we do, but that's like at the core of who we are. And so we celebrate that. We celebrate the way that God has been faithful for that to remain who we are, even over the course of all the wild stuff that has happened over time. People that gave faithfully to see all these buildings built. But we're not just about buildings, even though it's pretty incredible to see how the generations came together to build these buildings. But we're about building people. That this is a church of building people and sending people. All the missionaries that have gone around the world. But also, we've had a great history of people going across the street, too. Caring for people in our own neighborhoods uh, goes back to even caring for military um, servicemen and women that have come back and we're caring for them and serving them and, and preaching the gospel and then seeing how that is carried through to today of how we reach locally. And so we're super thankful for all of that. And, uh, you know, we think about 90 years. And 90 years ago is a long time. And so people that were actual official members of the church 
have since gone and are with the Lord now. But there's a couple people out there. Like uh, there's Alan Garrett was a little baby. Uh, when, uh, and so that sometimes some of you know the Garrett family, but Alan Garrett was a little baby at that first, uh, first service, that first year. Uh, Bill Rowley was a little kid during that first time, and so we're just really grateful for them. We've got in the room, uh, Dale McCall was here 85 years ago, so that's pretty incredible. I don't know where he is now. He might have, did he sneak off? <laughs> oh, there he is right there. So yeah, Dale. 85 years ago. Incredible. And I did some fact-checking with him earlier, and so he says we're straight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, just so amazing to think of being here for 85 years, and just so, so grateful for him and, and so many others. But I was, uh, in thinking about now getting, getting into the Word of God, I wanted us to look at a passage of Scripture that I, can, I think really speaks into this moment, and it's Psalm 78, 5 through 7. And it says this, For he, God, issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children, so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. And then it says this, so each generation, boomers, millennials, whoever, right? Each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. I think it's a great passage for us in this moment of time that we're in. So we are to pass on what God has taught us to the next generation, and then they'll pass it on to the, the generation after that, and then also all of us as one have to set our hope anew on God. And maybe that's implying that, you know what, our hope can, can waver. Our hope can falter. But we set our hope anew on God, remembering his miracles and obeying his commands. So let's think through passing on God's ways, first of all. Passing on God's ways, passing on God's instructions to this next generation where it said, we teach them to their children so that next generation might know them and pass it on to the next. And we learn, we learn about who God is by those who are older than us. Many of us learn that from our parents. I know I learned that from my, my own parents, passing on their faith. They were new Christians. They, they got saved, and then uh, they got saved in their adulthood, actually at a church really nearby as they moved down from Canada, and they were kind of like had left this crazy lifestyle that they were in, and they came down, and my mom's sister had, had moved to Tustin and was going to Red Hill Lutheran Church, and my dad walked into Red Hill Lutheran, and the pastor was preaching, and my dad walked forward and, and went down to the pulpit and said, I want to pray to receive Christ. And the pastor was like, what's going on? It wasn't like, it was not an altar call. It was not what they were doing. And, but my dad had a said the Holy Spirit led him to do it. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was great. The pastor prayed with my dad and he received Christ and began to live for Christ. And then that's, you know, he passed that on to me. I'm passing that on to my children. Maybe you, maybe you don't have family who live that way. Maybe you don't have family who has that foundation of faith, but somebody passed it on to you. Most likely someone a little, if, if they weren't older, they were a little further along in the faith than you, and they began to pass that 
on to you. That could have been a Sunday school teacher. That could have been a mentor. It could have been a co-worker in your life. That could have been just uh, somebody that said, I want to pass. It could have been an aunt or a grandpa, somebody that was passing on that faith to you. And so I think, first of all, let's appreciate and honor those who taught us. Let's have that perspective of honoring those who've come before us and being grateful to them and valuing them. And then let's pass that on. Let's pass it on to that next generation and really care about that. And I think that's why we've even talked about uh, things like we, we have these sort of physical parents and grandparents, but we want to have spiritual parents and spiritual grandparents. That you might not have grandchildren, but you can be a spiritual grandparent to someone of caring for them and nurturing them along in the faith. You can be that sort of spiritual father figure or mother figure for someone in their lives. And so I encourage you to, to be that and to lean into that and pass that on. I wanted to uh, invite up Pastor David Mitchell as he comes on up uh, to share a little bit. If you're, uh, if you're new around here, <laughs> Pastor Dave, uh, about four years ago, was the uh, senior pastor of this church for 22 years. Yes. And, yes, and uh, so we're really grateful. Is this my retirement message? Yeah, yeah. Is this so we thank here? you. Thank you, Tammy and Randy. Where are you going? Can I join you in your trailer? Yeah. So, okay. You know, I was thinking when we we're thinking about these people that have been around here for 90 years, you know that Josh Simpson was the junior high pastor back then, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He sure looks like he was, yeah. So, yeah. Where is Josh? So he's still working here? He's probably know. outside working okay. on the party. All right. Yeah, oh, there he is in the back, yes. <laughs> trying to help you out after the, the shots he's been taking. Yeah, I know. Right? Josh yeah. is always giving me a bad time. And we need to help that young crowd out there and uh, help them to grow up well. So, Josh, we're, we're excited for your future somewhere <laughs> out there, I'm sure. Uh, listen, I just want to share a little bit, of, and uh, this, this is not my retirement. No, so, no, okay. no, no. All right. <laughs> just, just double checking. You never know <laughs> when those days come. But uh, it's good to be with you. You know, uh, I love the whole idea of generation to generation. I came across a little verse uh, recently, and I love this verse. It sort of speaks to uh, the topic of today. It's Psalm uh, 3311. It says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever the plans of his heart from generation to generation. Here's a little tidbit that comes out of that. The word for the plans. The word plans is used in Exodus 35. It talks about, and it's actually translated design. And there the Holy Spirit fills a man, gives him the ability to be an artist, and he takes gold and silver and bronze and precious stones, and he creates the tabernacle of God, the design. And so I, the image that came to my mind is that the, the plans or the designs of his heart from generation to generation. In other words, God has a variety of ways in which he can express his plans. His counsel stands forever, but his plans have to go from generation to generation. And that's our challenge. Uh, you know, it's even in the, in, the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the, they had Solomon's temple. It was majestic. People would come from all around the world to see this temple. And then in 586, the temple was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. In 515 BC, they built another temple. And when the people that were aware of the first temple of Solomon saw the second temple of Zerubbabel, as it's referred to, they cried. Why? 
because it wasn't as good as the original. They want the original. If only we could go back in time and be part of that. That's what they said after Exodus. If only we could go back to Egypt and the garlic and leeks of Egypt. There's always kind of looking back, whereas God wants us to look forward. And uh, even I spoke last week on Peter, where Peter, a uh, very Jewish man, obviously, he thought the church was going to be Jewish and have some of the dietary laws, the Judaism that they had practiced. And then God says, you know, Peter, I've, my plans have changed for this next generation. You may eat of certain items that you had prohibited in the past. Well, Peter rebelled at that. God had to repeatedly come to him and say, Peter, it's okay. I've changed my plans. And so it's a challenge. I know I grew up in a Christian family like uh, Randy and, and Tammy, and uh, my dad was a pastor. I was a baby at the church, the open door. Uh, there was a woman that was here. I've shared this before for some of you. There was a woman when I first came here to Calvary Church who told me, I changed your diapers when you were in the nursery at Church of the Open Door. It's a little intimidating. And so, uh, so I've been part of the church for a long, long time, and uh, well, all my life, all 90 years. And so it's exciting that, that God is still working in the church today. And uh, as a result, I, I can look back and see how the plans of his heart go from generation to generation. You might recall some of you, when I was in high school in the 60s, 1965 to 1969, and yeah, that dates me, um, I remember we would go to our youth group, and uh, suddenly there was this guy that looked like a hippie. Hippie was the term back there, not hipster, but hippie. And uh, he played a guitar, and we were amazed. I mean, you can play a guitar in the youth group of our, of our little worship hour of the of that uh, early morning meeting, and I said, yeah. And then I go into the, what we call the sanctuary, and there was a piano and an organ. And we was a little frustrated, a lot of us are high schoolers, why can't we have that guitar in the worship service because it's relevant music to us? And it was explained to me that if you have a guitar, the next thing you know, you're going to want to have drums. <laughs> And I'm serious. They told me the reason we don't want drums is because drums have a beat. And when people start hearing a beat, they start dancing. And you know what follows dancing? They told me, and I'm trying to be delicate. I know yeah. we're multiple generations. They told me, well, drums have a beat that leads to dancing, and dancing leads to premarital sex. And so we can't have drums because you know what happens eventually down the line. That, that was the thinking of the day, and that seemed like legit. I said, okay, uh, well, I don't want to violate the premarital thing, so I'm never going to listen to drums, although I listened to the Beatles when they came on. <laughs> I remember, in fact, speaking of the Beatles, I remember a pastor preaching about these, this new group called the Beatles that were on the Ed Sullivan Show, and they had a song the Beatles did, I Want to Hold Your Hand. And he said, what's this world coming to? <laughs> and so these are crazy little memories that come to my mind that shows that was a generation, and that was the thinking of that generation. And yet there in the progress of time, God says, my plans are changing. I'm going to open the door, the floodgates, that there are other ways in which worship can occur. And now we have the drums. And in fact, it was an acoustical guitar. 
Electric guitars were forbidden because that was what rock and roll used, but acoustical <laughs> guitars were okay. And yet we see the changes that have occurred right here in Calvary Church since I've been here. We've seen the changes of music in the various ways. And so for me, to help me in my time, because not everything that goes on is, is where my sweet spot is as far as my relationship with the Lord and worship and service and all those things. But what I talked about last week, I just want to reemphasize. One of the things that helps me sort of stay centered in doing what God wants me to do is to remember the mission and the message is the most important thing. What's the mission that God called us to? For example, in worship. So worship the Lord in spirit and truth. I need to always remember that. The methods where that will occur will change because the plans of God change from generation to generation. I don't want to get hung up on the methodology. I want to keep my mind on the mission and the message that as the counsel of the Lord stands forever, that is eternal. I want to hang on to that. And we all have our personal preferences and we just can't do it. Eric and I, we, we like black. <laughs> I dress this way because he dressed that way. He's my hero. I model myself after him. And so we have these personal preferences that are just okay. Just okay. Yeah. Uh, it's been good to hear from you. Just is my time up? <laughs> All right. Well, let me just wrap up with this. I think it's so important just to remember what God says, Psalm 78, but it's Psalm 3311. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart from generation to generation. I want to make sure that the plans of one generation does pass on to the next generation. That's our task. Even as I left my role, and we have another generation up here in front, each of us have a responsibility to help the generations behind us follow along. Not looking to the past so much, but looking to the future, the vision of what God has for the mission and the message that he wants for the church of Jesus Christ. So let's hang in there, folks. Those of us who are on the older side of life, closer to 90 than others, that our task is to make sure that the next generations that follow us capture the mission and the message that comes from God, regardless of the methods that sometimes are, as Randy said, a little weird, but we still want to follow what God is for us. So thank you. Amen. Thanks, sir. Yes, thank you, Dave. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, like, for all of us to really think that through, how can we pass this on to the next generation? Because no matter how old you are, there's someone younger than you that you can pass it on to. If you're in your 20s and you feel like, I'm so young, pass it on to that next generation below you of teenagers, whatever that might look like. So you, could, you have that ability to pass on in that message of Jesus. It's all about Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, and that the plan that God has for us to continue to proclaim that, to tell others about that, to experience that relationship with God, that healing, that wholeness that we have in him, and then to be that community, that family. And family has people of all different ages within it. And we honor those who've come before us. So if you are younger, to have that mindset of honoring those who have lived that life of faithfulness to God, even through their mistakes, to honor them and to, and to learn from them, to have a posture of listening and learning from them and then passing on what you have learned to the next. Um, amazingly, we hadn't talked about this, but I have next in my notes, 
to read Ezra 3, 12 to 13 about the whole temple thing. So I'm going to skip that part because Dave nailed it. Uh, but that's really cool. Uh, so then uh, I, I just think within that, I think the push often for those that are younger, sometimes it's this, it pushes out the old to bring in the new. And I think that what we want to have is this, this posture of valuing and including all generations in this. That we know that new needs to come into it, but we don't want it. doesn't mean we push out the old to bring in the new. New thinking comes in, new methods come in, but we value and include all generations in the midst of that. So that's that first part of that verse in Psalm 78. And then every, uh, that we pass it on to the next generation. And then the next part is that Every generation must set their hope on God. Just to remind you that verse 7 says, So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So we recognize our hope will falter at times. Sometimes we see the church acts in ways that it shouldn't. The church people, because the church is people. I was just talking to somebody about that just earlier, that the church is messed up because it's people, and we're messed up, and we make mistakes. But to, to place our hope not on people, but our hope on God. And if you've been hurt in some way, or you feel like you're just, it's getting weird, as Randy has said, or any of those sorts of things, that to place your hope on God and not necessarily on people. So the ways it says to do that in here is to not forget his miracles, to look to God for more, to look to God to recognize that he will work miracles. We read in the scriptures the way that God cared for his chosen people of Israel. He delivered them from bondage and slavery uh, from the Egyptians, and he delivered them out of that with these great plagues and wonders of God. And then he parted the Red Sea as the people went out and he provided manna, this bread from heaven for them to live upon while they were in the desert. There's so many miracles. We recognize that. All of these incredible miracles of the Old Testament and then into the time of Jesus, where we see Jesus, the Son of God, born of a virgin, we see Jesus performing healings and miracles, walking on water. We see Jesus where he dies upon the cross. He is buried. And then on the third day, he comes back to life again. Don't forget his glorious miracles, my friends. God has worked miracles. God still continues to work miracles today. I've seen God work miracles in my life. I've seen God work miracles in others' lives, and we just need to remember. It helps us to remember that we've been through so much, but God continues to care for us and provide for us. So we don't forget his miracles, and we obey his commands. We are called to be faithful. We are called to be faithful to the ways of God. His ways remain the ways that we are to live. And I think oftentimes we think of holiness or this kind of thing of obeying God's commands. We think of that as avoiding sin. And yes, it does include that. But it's so much more than that. I want us to think about obeying God's commands as living out people of love, of peace, of gentleness, of joy, of kindness. This fruit of the Spirit. This is the kind of life that we are to live. That is what it means to be holy to live that kind of life in our world today. 
So I want you to expand even your, your definition of holiness. It's not just the avoidance of bad stuff, but it's living out the way of Jesus with self-control and compassion and generosity and service and love. That is who God has called us to be. That is how we can obey his commands. And we live that kind of life to be a light and a witness to a world that is far from God, to show them Jesus, the one that has come to make everything right, the one that has come to bring us to God himself, to cross that divide. And we have that in him. And that is what will change our world, is Jesus. Not any other, just not any other of our, even our works, but just Jesus and Jesus alone. So we set our hope on God. Set your hope today anew on God. And then pass that on. Pass that on to the next generation. And so as we consider responding to this today, I just want us to think about as we think about, okay, it's been 90 years. Can you imagine what the world will be like? I don't even think we can imagine what the world will be like 90 years from now if the Lord doesn't return. <laughs> but it's just, it's like, it's beyond our comprehension. But all we can do is pass on. Pass on what God has taught us so that this message of God Jesus and his faithfulness will remain and, and stay true for another 90 years and more. So I encourage you to, to see and value people from different generations than you. Maybe it's someone older, maybe it's someone younger, and to, to see them and to learn from them and pass that on to them. Let's pray as we continue to worship God. Lord, thank you that we are part of a church that is multi-generational, Lord. That we have people that are young and old and everywhere in between. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to, to have our hope be on you, that our eyes would be fixed on you, that you would refresh that hope in us if it's waning, God, if it's faltering, God. Help us to be able to, to be hopeful because of you and what you have done. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge us in whatever ways we can to pass on the truth of the gospel, the truth of your grace, and who you are to the next generation and the next and the next, Lord. So we worship you today for who you are because this is not about a church called Calvary, Lord, but it's about you, our God, our Savior, who died upon Calvary's hill rose again in victory and power. So we worship you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.